I didn't introduce myself before. I'm Mike Scudder, one of your elders here at the barn. And our text today is Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 21. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to Christ. Thank you, Michael. Those of you that know me know um, my preferred way of preaching. There are a lot of ways of preaching, textual, expositional, topical. My preferred way is to go through a book of the Bible. But it's important to stop and talk about the vision of a church. Um, for those of you that have been here a while, much of this will be stuff you have heard us talk about before, including me requesting that you participate. For those of you that are new, this will be an opportunity to learn uh, how we do the mission and vision of God here. And part of the reason I don't like preaching on the mission and vision of the church is it's love God, love people, right? And every church should be about that. But part of the reason I'm compelled to preach on vision is because every church is in a different place. Which means that loving God might look really similar, a little bit different culturally, but loving the people in that area well, being faithfully present, will look different. And so I think it's worthwhile to spend some time looking at our vision. I'm going to use the book of Ephesians, but I'm not going to preach through it sequentially. And the reason is, all of Paul's letters talk about or imply what is our vision as a church, which is to worship God because he exists and is good. And that's the most fundamental opportunity available to a human being is the choice of what to worship. Community, spiritual friendship that we all need, that we're all nervous about if we actually know what friendship is like. And then faithful presence, which I think is the most unique one because every community in the world is slightly different. Paul says for this reason, and he's talking about his prayer, but by extension, it's all the things that we do in church are to form us into people that love God and one another well. I have a reputation at the church for not liking announcements. I actually love announcements. When they're about an encounter with Jesus through something that connects to the church. I'm also loosening up some of my restrictions on that for those of you that have been like, gosh, I wish we had announcements. 
we do. And the reason I tell you that is not only to clarify how I like for us to do announcements on a Sunday morning. I want it to be in a way that glorifies God and connects someone to the ministry, but also how the Lord is growing you right now is worth uh, sharing with the body. How the Lord has challenged you, but also seen you through. How the Lord has connected some dots for you of the faith, worship, community, faithful presence, or some other way. And the reason I'm telling you that is I'd love for you to share that with the congregation at some point. It can be the story of how you came to faith or a story of how you're growing. Church is supposed to be like a good gym. It's supposed to be a place where we come and become stronger, where we're strengthened and our roots grow. It's an image a little bit less explicit than Psalm 1 or Galatians 5, but the image is that you are a tree offering shade and sustenance to the area around you, and you are being grown by the Holy Spirit through, in part, but certainly not without, the corporate worship of the people of God. I think the call to worship is sort of like a stretch for you bikers, runners, or walkers. It's like activation for those of you that are weightlifters. The confession, strength training. Because we're learning a practice that we desperately need. If you don't know how to confess to the neighbors in your life, which begins with confessing to God, but then to the neighbors in your life, you're not loving well because you sin. I think prayers like core training, you know, you're not going to get any stronger unless your core is activated. I think singing's kind of like cardio, you know, we need to be in shape to do any of the things of the with God life. So singing our theology is good. I think the sermon is a reminder to do some strength training at home, to remember to equip yourself for the places that you go, to be a Christian at your place of business, to engage with your neighbors. When Paul's talking about it, he is talking about a posture, literal and metaphorical, of humble submission. And I I think in 2022, I did it, I didn't say 2021. I think in 2022, Humility is not as odd of a term, though submission probably is, as it was in the first century. Humility was not praised at this time. It was not good to be honest about your strengths and weaknesses. You were only supposed to talk about your strengths. Pride at the time was considered a virtue, and humility was not. And yet if God is who he says he is, if Jesus came and died for us, then we're humbled by that. And we humbly adore God and submit to him. And Paul's talking about it both literally and metaphorically when he says, for this reason I bow my knees. He's talking about a literal posture. If you grew up in a more uh, traditional church, a genuflection, you know that word? So when you close your eyes, that's a way of bodily participating. Humble submission, when you bow your head, right? We don't bow to people. Some cultures do, but they do it mutually. If we're bowing... It's in submission and perhaps adoration. And then he says, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And there what he's referring to is God is the creator, the sustainer, the sovereign ruler over all things that have ever been and all people. And this is a reason to worship if God is good and in control. If his providence is real, then we worship 
Did we manage to get it up, Simon? The Heidelberg Catechism asks the question this way about our worship. What does the Lord require in the first commandment? Whoops. So we didn't get it. That's okay. Nope, that's all right. Go back to the image of the hayloft. The Heidelberg Catechism says, what is our only hope in life and in death? I'm going to see if the answer is in the back of my Bible. It's worth it. I know you're waiting. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has delivered me from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of, the fa- of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to Christ by his Holy Spirit also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. God's sovereignty reminds us in worship of the purpose of worship. I'm going to read this again. If you're a follower of Jesus, these are incredibly encouraging words, though I think they sound odd in 2022. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has delivered me from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for my salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ, by this Holy Spirit, also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. The images of our other sanctuary, which was designed to facilitate these things, designed to facilitate your strengthening amongst the saints through corporate worship, through confession and prayer and praise and hearing the word read and hearing the word preached and being literally strengthened for the sacrament. You're not going to get any stronger if you don't feast. We gather to be strengthened. Listen to verse 16 and 17 again, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you, now that use plural, almost every Y-O-U in the New Testament and especially in the works of Paul is plural. I say that for two reasons. One, it reminds us of the importance of the corporate body of Christ and corporate worship, but two, there's one individual reference and it's in this passage. That according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. That's the singular one. Singing next to friends strengthens you individually in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Paul's not saying that because Jesus doesn't dwell in your hearts in this moment. He's speaking aspirationally. That's not, that's not right. Inspirationally and sermonically. He's wanting you to be encouraged by the fact of the Holy Spirit's indwelling. And he wants us to connect the dots that in corporate worship, 
We are being grown. Did you see the tree imagery in there? In strength and in stability of soul. This is why you're here, to receive and integrate all the promises of verse 16 and verse 17 into your life. And if this is true, if this is what's happening, and if this is your regular place of worship, it's part of the reason we ask you to plan and to tell us your plan to give financially. If you're new, I'm not talking to you, okay? And I have a question about this. And, and yeah, it would have been a lot more savvy for me to preach this in October because that's when we were asking you for plans. It might have been even more savvy to do it in December when some of you were getting bonuses or thinking about stock gifts or whatever. I'm not interested in being savvy. I'm interested in our growth in sanctification, which is why I'm bringing it up in January. The least important time I could bring it up because I want us to grow. Here's the question. Do you know what percentage you give both to this church and to charity? And if you're married and you're the one in the couple that doesn't know, you need to know. And maybe you give too much. I'll say it. But you need to know. Because if it's part of your role to support this place because of what it does because of the Holy Spirit's power, then you need to know. So that you can determine whether you're Cheerfully giving, the way Paul describes in 2 Corinthians 9. Because your participation here is essential to this church being who she is supposed to be. In light of Jesus and the work he has given the saints to do. You know that your voice is essential to the gathering? And some of you are like, nope, it's not. You haven't heard me sing? No way. It is. That humbles me. I mostly just sing in one note because I'm that ungifted musically. I sing in E. I sing louder and softer thinking that those are different notes. <laughs> but my voice is part of the worship team through harmony. And it's part of how I encourage you in corporate worship and how you encourage me. I think I mentioned this last week, but one of, my, one of the interesting blessings of my role is I often need to be in different parts of the room at different times during our service and I hear different voices the way they carry across the beams and yeah we have some people that are more gifted than that but all of your voices are essential and all of your minds are essential to the flourishing of this church and your planned giving is part of how we plan. Maybe we should do less as a church. One of the things that really encouraged me this year was that we got way more plans than we typically get. And I don't know what the number was. As a pastor, all I want is to know that you're planning and then telling us, and then we do as much ministry as that it enables us to do. Because we do what we can with what we have where we are. We gather to be strengthened with the saints. I think I got that in the wrong place. We'll come back to that at the end of this point. Okay, Meredith, Simon, cool. Listen again to verse, or listen to verses 18 and 19. I'm going to read verse 17 because it's one long thought. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. They're not all here today but all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth? 
and to know the love of God in Christ that surpasses knowledge, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. I was playing basketball a few weeks ago, and um, I hit two three-pointers in a row. And the fact that you didn't make any noise means you don't know how rare that is. Somebody did. (laughs) It's very rare. And one of the uh, better players said, Matt, if you had hit a third one, I was going to come to your church. And I was going to join it. And I was going to be an active member. (laughs) Glad you're laughing. My wife doesn't find these stories funny, but she's not here today. So (laughs) maybe I'll tell her later. And then about five minutes later, I'm walking out the door. He goes, wait a minute. Is it a singing church? (laughs) And I was like, yes, it's a singing. He said, is it a singing church? And I said, yes, it's a singing church. And I loved the moment because it was funny. And he understands that an organization is only as uh, alive as its people's participation. That's why he said, if I join... I'm going to be active. But then he got a little nervous about the singing because it doesn't happen very much in our culture that we actually sing together in meaningful ways. And yet it's part of us being strengthened and rooted is to not only think about our faith, but to sing it. And in singing it, you're reminding one another of how high the love of God is and how deep the love of God is and how broad the love of God is. Do you know how deep the ocean is? It averages 12,100 feet. Do a little research. The Mariana Trench in the Pacific Ocean is more than 36,000 feet deep, which means if you dumped Mount Everest in it, picture like a Marvel movie, it would still be more than a mile under the ocean. How much deeper is the love of God? And when you sing about the love of God next to your friends, you're strengthening and encouraging them, their imaginations and their minds and their emotions. And part of the reason I'm talking about corporate worship is not because I don't think you think it matters. In a time of COVID, you showed up to a Sunday morning service, you tolerated our mask policy, thank you. You've been standing up and sitting down. We need you to participate. You know, we have people that um, get up real early for work. You know what they need when they come to church? Coffee. That's part of your corporate participation in the body of Christ. Some of us, even in later years than we thought, have infant children. (laughs) What does my family need? to be strengthened by the corporate worship of the people of God, help with childcare. And you're not too old to help in childcare. We'll pair you with a teenager if you can't pick up 25-pound infants anymore that drool everywhere. Not speaking about my son. (laughs) We need people that are good at leading the gym time, the liturgy. It shouldn't just be me. We need your words and leadership. Every time Mike reads scripture, somebody tells me how much they love it. And I'm grateful. He's a software engineer. He has a nice tone of voice. He reads much, 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 much slower than me. You know where our love for one another begins? In the welcome room. 
If we're not a welcoming church, it doesn't matter if the sermon's good. As much as it would if we welcomed someone, and then the sermon was okay. Some of you are skilled, though all of our voices matter to, to the corporate worship of the people of God. You are on the worship team as a harmonizer. Some of you need to be up here helping us because you're gifted. The poor tech team that I terrorize every Sunday by screwing up my slides and then asking them to change things literally in the middle of the service. We deeply appreciate your help, and that's not only us. That's our friends that have COVID who are worshiping from home, appreciating deeply the work of the camera and the soundboard and computers. So we're going to do something that I can't believe we're going to do in March. We're going to have a ministry fair which I think doesn't, I don't know what it sounds like, but (laughs) those are words I should have just left aside. (laughs) Because I want you to know how to participate in the corporate worship of the people of God. And we're not positive how we're going to do it. All those teams are going to need to be available in the welcome room to let people know how they could begin to participate, how often. Because I know most of you can't participate every Sunday. I don't participate every Sunday, and I'm the lead pastor. But we need your mind and your generosity and your hands because you are called to facilitate the corporate worship of the people of God and encourage us as we're filled with the fullness of God, which means we're satisfied in soul because of who he is as we move through these steps together. Now go to that slide. I forget anybody? First impressions, liturgy, hospitality, music, tech team. I think I got it. Maybe you want to preach a sermon. Oh, me? Yeah, well, and you also. We have other people who can and should preach sermons. Youth? They don't do anything from 1030 to 1145. That's more next week, community. Right? What's that? That's the third Sunday. So this is 10.30 to 11.45. These are the teams that we need for... Good questions, though. Audience participation. I like it. This is what we need from 9 to 10 and from 10.30 to 11.45. For this reason, we gather to be strengthened with the saints because he is worthy. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask, those are our prayers, or think, that's our mind during worship, according to the power at work within us, that's the Holy Spirit, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Do you believe him who promises those things? Do you trust him? Do you follow him? And I'm hopeful that you'll show up and help. You'll have a whole month to think about it, and you'll have a whole other month to pray and consider your role. And then in March, hopefully you will sign up to participate in one of those ways. That's not all that you need. We're community, uh, corporate worship is not all that you need as a follower of Christ. You also need friendship. You also need faithful presence. But we do not neglect one day in seven when we rest and celebrate and honor God because he's good. And in addition to this, the elders and I are convinced that it's part of our role to help start a new congregation in New England. 
it'll take us a while. In September of 2023, we hope to bring a church planter here to serve with us for two years and then to go and start another new church in New England full of welcoming, hospitable, orthodox Christians. Christians that proclaim a living Christ and who are ever more fully alive. And then we'll evaluate and see if it was a good idea. We'll be praying about it the whole time. But that's what we're convinced because there are not a lot of fully alive Christians and churches preaching a fully alive Jesus in New England. We can't fix that, but we can participate. We can begin. The head of our denomination said, it's our role. The head of church planting within our denomination, his name's Dr. Tom Ricks, he said, perhaps the barn can help reintroduce the gospel to New England. We believe it's part of our calling also. By his grace, one more welcoming Orthodox church that proclaims a living Christ to ever more fully alive Christians who worship, do community, and are faithfully present in their town. You guys remember what amen means? Right. True. Yes. If all of these things are true about God, then we have just been strengthened. Though we're not finished at the gym, we need to feast together. God is that good to not only call us to himself, but to give us one another and corporate worship to root us and strengthen us in our inner being. Would you pray with me? Father, we praise you that you have always been good to us. Jesus, we thank, we thank you for your work, which calls us to praise and thanks. And Holy Spirit, we are so grateful that you indwell us and comfort us. Would you give us a sense of that comfort that we might move from this place as your followers and agents of love and change in the world? Amen.